Archbishop Mark McDonald, the Reverend Canon Dr. Martin Brokenleg, from the Reverend Dr. Ray Eldred, Steve Darden, Tyson Halkett, gathering at the river. And the mystery of life, with and the courage heart within the, the mystery of life, and with gratitude for one another, because we live in a That's wonderful we world. That's what we will go Have forth. a beautiful day and stay safe. The path to the stronghold. Because we are doing the responsible thing and practicing social distancing, these podcasts are being recorded remotely. Go, scan and go. This is Ginny Doctor from the Mohawk Nation Turtle Plan. Welcome to season two of Sacred Teachings, a podcast series in which we share the wisdom of our elders. This season is called The Path to the Stronghold. Taliestis is a longtime friend of ours. He lives on a Crow Creek reservation in Fort Thompson, South Dakota. Tali is a longtime Episcopalian who lives in a traditional way, speaking his language and living the culture of his people. In this podcast, Tali tells the stories of his people, his music, and about how to survive tough times. Ah, oh, my dog, my relatives. My name is Tully Estes. I'm a member of the Lower Brule Sioux Tribe Reservation. I'm a, my mother's from the Crow Creek Sioux Tribe Reservation and my father's from the Lower Brule Sioux Tribe Reservation. I've been living here on the Crow Creek Reservation for most of my life. Uh, over the years, I've done many things. Um, I wanna talk today about um, some something I feel that is very important to me. I began working in the Episcopal Church when I was quite a young man. I started about 12 or 13. I just always had this desire to work in the church and, and do things. So I started when I was really young. Took a lot of training and I had to do a lot of different types of things. So I became a lay minister when I was 13. And I would uh, hold services at, at times. I also was required to do home visits. I go visit people, sickly people, elderly people. I had to go do hospital visits. So I sat with people in the hospitals. I sat with many uh, people that uh, died from cancer to all cirrhosis to all types of different things. Um, prayed with a lot of people while I was young. I didn't even have a driver's license, so my mother would have to drive me to the hospital, to people's homes, and you know stuff like that. So I was I was really happy for her to and to drive me. My dad was a minister in the Episcopal Church, and so I I learned a lot of things from him. 
I was also fortunate. Uh, a lot of the elderly people in our community and in, in our church, they say, you talk on. They said, tacos or you talk on. Sit down here. We're going to teach you, they would say. And so they started teaching me a lot of these things that, you know, they, this wisdom that they have. And so I sat and I listened to them. I listened to a lot of people. And I heard a lot of the stories of how the church came to be, how spirituality came to be, how they came to believe in Jesus, how they came, you know, there was a lot of things I, I was fortunate enough to, to hear and understand. I also grew up in a traditional life. Um, I learned how to sing using a drum. I was part of a drum group, but we had a drum group called Hesani, which means lone horn. And so I sang at uh, powwows, I sang at uh, events, I sang at sun dances and other spiritual events. So I also through that way began to, uh, was able and fortunate enough to to hear a lot of elderly people and hear a lot of knowledge in our language and culture. I grew up in a time when everyone and everything around me was was in our language, in our culture. And I was fortunate in that, being able to, to hear the stories, hear the beliefs of the uh, Dakota people in my life. And it was, it was really an awesome thing. And I began to see when I was about oh, 25, 26 years old, the change where more and more people and families around me uh, begin to lose their language and their culture. And today in our society where I live, there is very few that speak the language or, or use the culture in my community here. And we're unfortunate and that's sad that it's like that, that these things aren't being taught anymore. And I try the best I can to teach our young people and help them to understand. I've taught singing, I've taught cultural things, I've taught dancing, you know, and that's been a really important thing to me. And I worked for many, many years in, in doing, providing suicide prevention. And I worked with young people for a lot of, a lot of years doing things to try to keep our young people from killing themselves. And one year when I was working, and I would go to work early and I'd like pray before I go in and I'd be praying and I was like, what, what can I do to help people? I would say, I'd ask in my prayers and I heard a voice and that voice said, feed them. And I looked around and there was nothing around, just some little birds flying around and, and, you know, and that voice said again, feed them. So when the other workers came, I said, we, we have to feed people. We have to feed the little kids. And so I started feeding these little kids. We start providing meals and 
pretty soon, you know, there was three kids out there that came. They were hungry, so we fed them. And then, you know, they said, can we bring our, our relatives, our, our cousins? And pretty soon we had about 20 kids every morning was feeding, you know, which was okay. That was good. I, I didn't mind that, you know, but... Every morning when I go to pray, and I'd still hear that voice. It'd be saying, feed them. And I was like, what do you mean? Maybe, what, who ain't I feeding? And the only thing I would see is these little birds on the ground. And it was winter time. And I heard that voice again saying, feed them. So I went home that night and I said to my wife, I said, Honey, I think we have to feed the birds. She looked at me. What do you mean? I heard a voice said to feed the birds. Feed them. So we went and bought a bird feeder. We bought bird feed. And then I started feeding the birds. And we had hundreds of birds. And then we had a really cold winter. And I had a whole, I go get all, I had all of this uh, bread. And I chopped up all this bread and I take it out and feed. And I had hundreds of birds out here. Oh my God, the birds were coming, you know. And I, I fed the birds. And I don't know, and I don't know why, but, you know, it is my belief that when the Great Spirit tells us, calls us to do something, we don't question it. We just do it. That's the way I was taught, you know. And so ever since then, I've been feeding the birds. We get hundreds of birds come here, all different kinds, blackbirds, robins, sparrows. I mean, there's just different, all woodpeckers, all kinds of birds come out here and, and they get fed. And it's really amazing. But... What I'm interested in is uh, music. I hear the birds singing every morning, every day. It's beautiful to hear all these birds singing. And... The story I want to talk about it has to do with singing. When I was learning how to sing in our, our uh, traditional way, they said, there are three places you, you can get the songs from. They said that, number one, the song come from the chanchega, which is the drum. Chanchega means a wooden pail. And they said the songs are in there. The songs don't come from you. They come from that drum. And that the drum sings, you know. And so we, that's one belief. Another group, I have some cousins that sing and, and they believe that their songs came from the Shogamani Tube, Shogamani Tube, or the Kyle. And so they believe that they've gotten their songs from the Kyle. Another one is they say that you get your songs from the birds, especially the meadowlark. In this time of 
of the COVID-19 virus that's going around. Uh, anyway, I want to relate a story, and to me the theme of this story is we hear in Scripture where Jesus says, Do this in the remembrance of me, and your people shall live, and you shall live, it says. And in our culture, when we do these ceremonies to learn these spiritual things, the Great Spirit says to us, you know, if you learn these things, you will live and your people will live. And we hear that theme over and over and over. And uh, it's very similar or very much the same theme that we hear in the Christian belief. Do this in the remembrance of me and you shall live. And so I started uh, about four or five years ago. I, I used to go around with people and when I learned how to play the organ, I would have to play all night and I'd play and play and and so I grew up playing the where we had wakes we'd start and we'd we'd sing all night long and and my parents and my uncles and aunts they'd sing all night long they believed in that they believed in in singing and they would sing all night long and sing and sing so so I learned how to play the organ in that way of playing all night for them and then they had a, a singing group where they would go to people's houses and stuff like that. And so our history goes back with the church. So um, when our people here in Crow Creek, the Crow Creek Reservation was people were forcibly removed from Minnesota and brought here. Uh, they were brought here in boats and it was cold in the winter time and and a lot of people died from starvation and just from illness because it was winter time and they had hardly any clothing or any coats and and so they the church went from house to house during winter time and through that first year singing because there were so many houses they would talk about how every teepee there was somebody dying and so you'd hear this singing and it was because somebody had died in that in that teepee and so the ministers were in the church people were just going from teepee to teepee and singing people that were dying so our people carried on that tradition throughout lent they, throughout lent they started where they would go to each other's house and they would sing so also through Lent, we went from house to house and we would sing, oh, we'd sing and have services. And so you'd hear all of these stories of our tradition. And while we were doing that, so uh, I learned these things when I was young. I learned these songs. And so in the song, the Christian songs that we have, we hear that theme over and over and over. You know, if you do this in the remembrance of me, you will live and your people live. It's in the songs over and over. Um, almost every song has it. And it's beautiful. It's, and I think that's why my parents and other people loved them songs because they talked about these wonderful things in their, them songs. And they weren't translated. 
And so I always heard them saying, you know, somebody should record all these songs and translate them. And we would practice and record, but we never did all the songs. So in the last four or five years, I've been recording all the songs. And so I, re I played every song and I decided to play it the way it's supposed to be played in its natural sharps or whatever, flats. And, and I played them and then I, I sang them at the same time. And then I also went and I translated them. So I put them on the computer and I put it in a video. So the music, I'm singing to it and playing to it, and then it's, you can see the words translated matches up. And, uh, so I've been doing that for the last four or five years. There's about 220 songs in the Episcopal. And so after I got done with that, I did the Presbyterian. That's another 180 songs, you know. So anyway, so I've been doing that for the last four or five years. And I've, I've pretty much got them done now and uh started giving them to people giving them to elderly people and uh they're really neat you know so that people understand what our our song these songs are but uh so i want to talk about the other side the traditional side of it is um during this there was a pandemic way back and uh when i used to go visit people I went to this one elderly lady's home and she was 95 years old and she kept other ladies in her house and there was this other lady, she was 95 years old also and she was a non-Indian lady and she told me that she came here when she was 16. She was an immigrant. She came across the sea because they were being persecuted over where she was from. And she came here and she met this guy and they got married. He was the same age as her. They're, they both got married and, and they were young. And he was running a cattle company here on the reservation. And she was working for the government. And this pandemic came. This is in the early 1900s. And a lot of people were dying all over the world. And she talked about how the government had abandoned the people here. They left them to die. And everybody left. And there was nothing left, you know. And so the Episcopal Church had a, uh, had a boarding school. So they put all the people in there that were sick. And she started taking care of them. And these other people were taking care of them. And her husband started bringing the cattle and using the cattle to help feed the people. And the, she said they put the ones that were going to die on the third floor of this school. And this man said, put me by the windows. He said, so I can smell the fresh air and so that I can hear the birds singing. So they did. They put him by the window, she said. And she said, uh, while he was laying there in his bed waiting to die, a bird came, landed in a tree right outside the window, and that bird was just chirping away. And for hours, long time, that bird was just chirping and chirping, and she said she was listening. And it was like he was talking to that bird. 
So she went over, she said, and she asked him, Do you understand what that bird is saying? And he said, Yes, I do. And she said, Well, what's it saying? It's telling me if I learn these songs, it's going to teach me. And then if I teach my people these songs, they will live. And so she said, Every day that bird would come, and he'd lay there and listen to that bird. And every day he got stronger and stronger, and pretty soon he got well. And after he got well, he began to teach people these songs, what the songs meant, and he would sing to them and, and begin teaching them. And pretty soon all the people began to get well. And they all got well, she said, and everybody began to, you know, they got well, they, they got healed. And so that bird was a middle ark. And so after everyone got well, all the people got together and they changed his name. They gave him an, an Indian name. So they changed his name to Pretty Sounding Flute. So there's a guy up in Standing Rock. He's a hoop dancer, but he also plays the flute. His name is Kevin Locke. He talks about all the flute songs that they come from here in Fort Thompson from some man long time ago. Anyway, that's where the story I heard from this lady. I was only a teenager. I was 16, 17 years old. And I heard this lady telling me that she was a non-Indian. That this bird came and taught this guy all these songs and that's how they got well. And so I'm reminded, you know, that the Creator says to us, if you learn these things I'm going to give you and teach you, you will live and your people will live. And so in Scripture we also hear Jesus saying the same thing. Do this in the remembrance of me and you will live. So I say to you, my relatives, do this in the remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you will live. Do these things in our culture, and you and your people will live. My name is Kautang, and I'm just a common man. Thank you, my relatives. Thank you for listening to Season 2 of Sacred Teachings, The Path to the Stronghold. All eight episodes, along with Season 1, are still available to stream across all of our platforms. Feel free to go back and check them out. We hope you are looking forward to Online Gospel Jam on June 5th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to get it played everywhere we can, so look for it. Meanwhile, send your songs and stories no longer than four minutes each to anglican.ca slash gospeljam. We'll see you soon. Now, Ona.